And we are back with another episode of How About Them Celtics. Sam and I are here recording on Wednesday, January 3rd. Lots of Celtics stuff to talk about. We've got the Thunder game. We've talked about it twice in our own recap, which you can check out and, and talk and seize. Bobby Kravitsky, that's also up. Uh, we've got some Jason Tatum stuff, some Wick Grosbeck stuff, some Joe Azul stuff. We'll get into all of it. Uh, but first, as per usual, we're going to give away some popcorn. Uh, yes. Let's take a look and see. Who's ready to win some popcorn? Let me switch over to the wheel here. Uh, we got I think seven entrants today. The background. The good, seven good entrants entry. today. Good entry. Yes, sir. Let's see who's winning some popcorn. <clears throat> to enter, make sure you comment what's popping on our videos, and we will make sure we get you on the wheel. About time. <laughs> John. John. Big win. <laughs> John and Pete were so close. Look at that. Look at it. <laughs> either one of them deserved it just had a birthday yeah happy birthday pete john finally about time john you know the email hptcpod at gmail.com like sam said if you'd like a chance to enter comment what's popping on the video or send us an email at hptcpod at gmail.com john we'll get you hooked up you know where to reach us i mean you talk to us all the time so we'll get in contact with you get you some popcorn uh and the first Celtics thing we got today uh, is jason tatum who basically agreed with Gordon Hayward. So on the last episode uh, of the pod, we talked about Gordon Hayward's comments on the podcast. P Um, Gordon Hayward basically said, uh, yeah, it didn't work. The 2018, 19 team didn't work. There was too much going on. Um, Effectively said (laughs) there were too many egos and and Jason Tatum was asked about it per Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston Globe. Uh, and he said, I mean, yeah, that shit was terrible. <laughs> you guys saw it. We've all talked about it. it. Didn't work out how we wanted it to. Uh, we were a very talented team, but it didn't mesh the way we wanted it to. And that's all right. Guys learned and everyone's moved on from it. But what Gordon said was kind of right. Guys would come back from injury. Guys were trying to prove themselves. Like mm. myself, I was trying to be better than I was uh, last year. And it just kind of was a tough year. Said everyone wanted to do more. We didn't quite understand how we could all coexist with each other. Uh, and you just learn from that. No matter how talented a team is, it still has to work together and figure it out. And like Gordon said, still made it to the second round and it could have been worse uh but basically oh. saying like yeah that was it was ass <laughs> it was terrible i was there you were there we can confirm it was ass it was awful fuck the 2019 celtics i hated that team because the whole year this was like the first year i ever tried to like do any kind of writing so every game i would do a preview and i would do a recap and in the recaps i'd always like be like well maybe this is what's wrong with this team and it turns out uh there was no diagnosis except for ass. Yeah, sorry. I thought I thought you had more. I didn't know that was where you're closing. I, well, I, I could talk more, but we'll, we'll toss back and forth. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, Tatum said it. it it's, it's, it's hard to, like, divulge too deep into it because they both laid it out pretty clearly. And we everybody watched it. Like, we all know it sucked. No one was bought in. Everyone was mad. Terry Rozier went on a media tour after the season complaining, even though I saw somewhere that Terry Rozier like got the second most shots on that team, which is nuts that he was complaining on, on a team that talented. He got the second most shots, and then he was the one complaining that he had to sacrifice. I'm just going to double check myself. Uh, okay, that was wrong. <laughs> you know who got the worst uh, end but, of all of this is Brad. Hmm. Yeah. He had to try and put up with all of it and fix it and diagnose it and say, oh, what do we need to change? What do we need to change? There was no answer. You had a young Tatum and Brown, two guys who were looking to prove themselves. You had Al Horford, who was on a contract year. 
You had Hayward, who's coming off that brutal injury and wants to prove he can still play. You have Rat Kyrie, and uh, he's, you know, talking to KD at the All-Star game and saying, I'm going to leave. And then you have Terry Rozier, who also wants to prove himself and thinks he's worthy of a bigger role. And he was in a contract year two. He wanted to prove himself and be like, hey, look, I'm worth this money. So, yeah, if if we were all a little bit smarter, we probably could have seen it coming. Mm. But sometimes you just have the green glasses on. It sucks that it happened because when the 2018 season wrapped, everybody was like, this is it. They are ready. They're going to be healthy next year. They just almost made the finals without their two best players. And it just turned out Hayward wasn't the second best player. And they had a hard time figuring out who that was. And the team just didn't let it happen. Mm. There was no sacrifice with that group where there is sacrifice with the current group, which is why this year's team should give you legitimate hope, even if they are annoying at times. But for the most part, they're pretty good. Like, it's very, very hard to complain about the team that we all get to watch every night. Yeah, it, it, it was just bad year. I, I will say as much as it sucks and just I mean, it's, it is funny to hear Tatum go. Yeah. Say, yeah, that shit was terrible. Uh, also, I don't know what I was seeing about Terror's year. Uh, he's took like the fourth most, sixth most shots on that team. Marcus Morris took the third most behind Kyrie. Uh, and uh, maybe that Tatum. was who you were thinking about. <clears throat> Which is kind of crazy. Maybe. I don't know. But t- I do remember Tara's year going on first take and just complaining about the Celtics and basically ripping into them, which was kind of lame, uh, pretty lame. But I will say, if that year didn't happen, I don't think the Celtics have as much success as they have this year um, with Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis. Like, I-, I do think in a way, having those failures that season with Hayward, with Kyrie, with all those guys has prepared Tatum and Brown better and even Horford better. Um, to, to, to just, you know, work as a team better this year. Uh, and to their credit, it's been awesome. They've been great this year. They're the best team in the NBA. Every time there's time for somebody to take a step back and let somebody else shine, it's happened. Um, Al Horford going to the bench. I mean, Drew Holiday just finished the game on the bench the other night against the Thunder as we're talking. Like, like everything that failed in the 2019 season seems to be finding uh success this season which is i mean i'm not gonna say i'd rather that team be successful and this team fail but i I, the vibes of this team are just far superior in my opinion yeah i mean you want to see the guys you have now do well because you feel like they're in on it i mean the 19 team was a bunch of assholes even the guys that are still here were assholes it's just a fact like tatum said it himself it sucked um the great thing about this year's team is like you said those guys have been through it I think we talked about it last pod or maybe on one of the streams. And we, I was like, Al Horford went into that six best guys meeting this year and was like, listen, I'm not doing this shit again. I'll just come off the bench. It's all right. I'll sacrifice. And I think the guys that were here, they do understand. It's like, okay, you can have the talent, but you do have to have the want and the camaraderie and the team vision in of the team success instead of wanting this for yourself and this for yourself. I mean, Tatum says he doesn't care, really care about these individual things. The only thing he really needs is to add a championship and he'll be fine. So I, I believe that I think, especially in the last couple of games, Tatum has played like it. We've talked about the OKC game twice now, but maybe my favorite Tatum game of the year. I know when we talked to Bobby today, you said it might've been the best. 
it's valid. He had 30, 30 points, 31 points, one of them. Mm. Uh, Double-digit rebounds, eight assists. He was careful with the ball. He was um, purposeful with his shot selection. That's what you want out of Tatum as your best player. If he's going to be able to attract the defense, he's going to be able to take on that responsibility and use it the correct way. Like he's Spider-Man, right? Great power, great responsibility. Yeah. Uh, it sucks. 2019 sucked. We started the pod the next season, year right? We weren't, yeah, we weren't Which doing was it that fun year. Because nobody expected them to be that good. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Um, but yeah, it was it was funny to hear Tatum's comment just basically admitting that, you know, that shit was terrible. But next thing we got I is really from Wick Prospect. They will admit Kyrie was the problem. But they won't. You know they're not going to. Uh, next thing we got is from Wick Grosbeck, uh, who was on the Greg Hill Show on WEI. He's talked about a couple things. First one is uh, Danny Ainge leaving a few years back. Everyone has sort of expected, like, I feel like everyone sort of thought that it was a predetermined move. Everyone knew or it was the front off or the yeah, right. ownership's decision. Um, but Grosbeck said, I was really bummed about it. I wasn't expecting him to come in and say he needed to step down. Uh, that was really the way it was. Others thought I had something to do with it, but really I just received the news. He was leaving uh, and it was not welcomed news by me thinking about what to do next. I was talking to Brad about how we would hire a GM. I looked at him out of nowhere and said, Brad, you've got a great basketball mind and you've been in the draft the last 70 years or so with Danny. You've built teams at Butler, you know, the personnel, you know, everyone in the league. Do you want to think about being a GM? Uh, and he thought of it overnight and came back and said, I'm in. So it's just kind of crazy to think about one that was not the plan for Danny to step down because I feel feel like a lot of people assumed it was sort of a like they pushed him out time type of thing. And two, that it was never a plan to hire Brad. It was, hey, what do you think about this? And Brad was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. And now he is probably going to win. If he doesn't win executive of the year this year, then the league's a sham. It basically right. He's He's got to. So it's crazy to see how that turned out. So I always thought Ainge left on his own. Like, I didn't think he was forced out. I thought he had had enough. I remember listening to his radio interviews with Toucher and Rich, Rip, uh, all season. He was great with them, great chemistry, good personality. And they kept kind of asking him, like, I think they had heard he might be, like, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. I think Jackie McMullen might have put it out there that Ainge might be retiring. So maybe that was what had influenced my thought process on it. But personally, I didn't think he was forced out. So I think it's kind of weird that Wick said this. Not that it's a bad thing, but it's just not anything I ever really thought about. Well, I think a lot of people thought that ownership sort of said, okay, time's up. They might have. They might have thought that. I, I just don't remember it. I, mm. I just remember what I thought. Uh, in terms of Brad, when Brad was promoted, I remember hearing like Brad failed up, Brad failed up, Brad failed up. And I thought Brad was a good coach. Like the teams never got over the hump to make the finals. But I'm so happy he's not coaching anymore because he's – uh. He's making calls instead. He he's pulling the strings. He's putting the team mm -hmm. out there and hiring Brad as the GM was such a great move that none of us really thought would be this impactful so fast. I don't remember what our initial reaction was. I know we definitely did a show on it, but we were probably like, cool. Who's the next coach? And Brad has just done a tremendous job. Almost every move he's made has been fantastic. He got Derek white for Josh Richardson, who did rule but also Romeo Langford, who really didn't amount to much, a late first-round pick. He brought back Al Horford, which shows you how important he is to this team. He, what else he do? Am I stupid? Chris Topps, Drew Holiday. Chris Topps, Drew Holiday. Yeah, he did those <laughs> things. I know I'm stupid. But th those were really, like, pivotal moves. Like, even with the Chris Topps thing, 
everyone's like, oh, like it's weird they lost Smart. And then there was the Brogdon angle where he was like kind of pissy and he turned that into Drew Holiday, who kind of silenced any doubt with the hold that Smart would have left and got rid of Brogdon. Unfortunately, Brad's favorite boy, Luke Cornett, has had a good enough season to make you not miss Rob. And so is Kristaps. So all of it worked out. They plugged the Grant Williams hole and the Brogdon hole because Pritchard and Sam Hauser have been so reliable in more ways than just the shooting. Pritchard is all over the place. We talked plenty about his performance against the Thunder. He was a plus nine and he only had five points. Hauser, he's one of the sharpshooters of the NBA, one of the top guys. He's been cold a bit lately. But his defense has been much better than anybody would have thought. And he's pretty good on the glass. He gets a fair amount of rebounds. How many is the average? Probably like three. Who, Hauser? But it feels like he gets some big ones every once in a while. <clears throat> Hauser averages three and a half, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's just a glass eater. Well, it's it's. I know what you're talking about. He does get a good amount of rebounds in big spots, and it's part of their whole mindset of crashing a glass from the corners. He's been big at it because he's well, usually standing in the corner, so he's usually the one crashing the glass. But Brad's been awesome. Like I said, like he should win Executive of the Year this year. I thought he should have had a better chance last year, but like, there's no doubt. Like he traded for Kristaps, traded for Drew Holiday, made this big ball, all these moves. Yeah, you've got to give him the Executive of the Year after that. So. I don't know. It was just interesting to hear Wick talk about the Danny move like that. We uh, yeah. we did kind of talk about before this summer. Does Brad like have it in him to part ways with some of these guys that he's known as the yes. coach, as the GM? <laughs> he's been around for so long. And the answer was, oh, uh, is the Pope Catholic, buddy? Of course Apparently. he does. Evidently so. Um, well, very Catholic. It's very, very fun to see Brad wheeling and dealing. I mean... It is especially interesting um, to note or to look at how it came about with Brad and just think about, like, what if Brad was just like, nah, I want to keep coaching? <laughs> like, what if he's like, no, nah, I'm okay. I'm good, brother. You you hire another GM. Because, like, from the sounds of it, it sounds like Brad would have just kept on being the coach, which is fine. I thought he was a damn good coach, and I think he eventually would have done a good job with whatever team the GM that they brought in gave him. But the team would look a lot different now, uh, obviously, if Brad didn't take over that role. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling Helpline MA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. I think it's very helpful that Brad also had a very sharp X's and O's basketball mind in regards to his personnel, how they work, how they can fit together 
I think that all plays into how he views different moves he's going to make, which I mean, in fairness, there are people that have been GM and coach Patino didn't go well. Doc Rivers, not when he was here, but with the Clippers, uh, Stan Van Gundy had that power with the Pistons. There have been guys all over the place. I think Tibbs even had it for a little bit in uh, New York, but I mean, I guess you could always be like, well, they know what they want and they can go get it. But I think Brad just, he, he really had these players grow up as basketball players with him in charge. And he has a really great understanding of how they can play off each other. Who could be really helpful. The Kristaps thing is unbelievable because the wrinkle that he adds to the offense where they can kind of everybody calm down. They can slow the game down if they have to at the end and they can play through the post. It's just something they never had before. Some of these looks he's able to get with his back to the basket and just turning and shooting over whoever it is are unbelievably easy. He doesn't even have to do anything except turn around. <clears throat> yeah, you can do whatever he wants. Brad's done an awesome job. I just I thought that was the most interesting part of this, listening to see how Brad was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. <laughs> Why not? I'll be the GM of the Boston Celtics. Uh, Wick Grosbeck also talked about Joe Missoula uh, and his play this season, or not his play, but his coaching this season. He said, you got to give Joe an A. He's inspirational. Joe's just a guy you can just instinctively, when you meet him and spend time with him, I would imagine as a player, excuse me, player, if he's coaching you, you would feel like you want uh, to make him proud of you. He's one of those guys where his opinion counts. He's very honest and open about how he feels and why he feels that way. You want to be on the good side of that as a player. And I think you've seen that a lot this year, just the way he's opened up and, and allowed himself to, for lack of a better word, be vulnerable with the media, being more open to talking about stuff, being more... Um, He's still very blunt and sometimes sarcastic with his answers, but you can tell that he's giving more and willing to talk about uh, what's happening more with everybody. Um, and you see the effect on the court too. I think he's been a much better game to game coach. You've heard pop talk highly about him. You've heard Mike Brown talk highly about him. Like a lot of coaches around the league speak very highly of Joe and uh, that's not something to take lightly. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, Grosbeck, yeah, I mean, if I clearly happy with if I was a player, I would not want to be on the wrong side of him either. He does jujitsu. It would be the like not this year, but like maybe if like they're in a little in between year, if like somebody gave him a hard time and you just like find out like Joe like put him in a chokehold, <laughs> just he just like asserts dominance at practice. That'd be pretty sick. Uh, I think this has been a good Joe year. I think we've seen some adjustments from and people in the comments will like this. I think we've seen some adjustments where, again, more post ups. It's a personnel thing, but also they're doing it for Tatum too, and it allows Tatum to really exploit the defense when they kind of cheat when he posts up, he has great vision and he's picked teams apart that way. And it's great. It's a thing they can go to late in games. It solves the late in games issue where last season, I don't think I ever really felt comfortable when they were in a close game this year. I mean, I don't feel thrilled, but I'm like, okay, they probably have this. Mm. And, and I think that is just so much better in terms of the way he uses people. Drew holiday playing defense on the big guys. Not a lot of people are going to try that. So you have to commend him for having the balls to go out there and be like, let's be different. Let's see how this works. Can he make these guys uncomfortable in a way where it might not work with big guys? We've come into the season thinking about Chris Stops, thinking about 37, 38-year-old Al Horford, and we're like, which one of these guys is going to guard Jokic? Which one of them is going to guard Embiid? And – I don't know if it should always be Drew Holiday. I think there are going to be drawbacks to that. Example would be the way Kristaps just kind of turns around and shoots over people. They could do that to him. 
but he's physical enough to kind of give them enough resistance where they can't completely physically overpower him. And he has the quick hands to kind of throw him off with. That's just not the way centers play defense against other centers. So that's another hat tip to Joe. I'm sure the assistants had some stuff to do that too. I know Sam Cassell has had a ton to do with the Tatum post-ups, which are fantastic. But as a whole, I think the team is just firing on all cylinders. And I think Missoula has at least a little bit to do with that. It's just a little. The guy coaching them probably has some, some help with it. Well, you you don't always have to credit the coach when you have a team like this. But he's not going to win coach of the year or anything. I, I think he gets at least a little bit of credit for helping them buy in and putting them in the right spots to succeed. Like you can't just throw a team out there with no direction and expect it to work as much as people might believe it, at least in my opinion. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's done a good job and I know that's not what you're saying. I know you're not trying to discredit him, but I think a lot of people would try to do that. And I don't think that's fair, but anyways, uh, Wicker's clearly happy. Of course. of course. It's the easy way out. Uh, speaking of Joe, we're going to talk about Joe right now because he talked about Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard closed the Thunder game over Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was having a rough night. Uh, and a lot of the times you'll see coaches just go to their best lineup regardless of who's playing well. Uh, and Joe didn't do that. He went with Pritchard instead. And when asked about it, he said, good ball pressure, good physicality, just brought a level of physicality to the game defensively and spacing on offense. I thought his presence helped us get back in the game. He also talked about the game in general, saying, I thought it was two great teams. Gate went about how I thought it would go as far as it coming down to the last couple of possessions. Said it was a great game for them. Um, but I, I mean, I like the explanation of Pritchard closing the game, and I, I don't think that's something you'll see a lot. I think you'll almost always see Drew Holiday closing, but it did feel in that game like they weren't winning with Drew Holiday on the floor. And once Pritchard came in, even though he wasn't making shots, he was giving them the energy. So I, I respect Joe being willing to change his closing lineups to, to go with the guys who are helping the most. I mean, you hear me talk about late game stuff all the time. I am fully in favor of this guy's playing well, let him play. I don't necessarily always want to see Tatum take the last shot. If somebody else is making their shots, give them the ball. And this isn't a Tatum thing. This is just an example of why I would agree with this. I am pro this. I think it's great when guys play well enough to earn those extra minutes, that extra experience at the end of an important game. This may end up going a little bit of a long way for Pritchard. We've seen Pritchard play well in the fourth quarter of plenty of games in the past. He's proven that he can buckle up down the stretch, play a little bit of defense, be a pest, and also make tough shots. He's someone you can trust for sure. I have no problem with that. Drew Holiday had one of the worst Drew Holiday games we've seen, which happens. He's been rock solid as of late. I actually wrote about it last week. So if he's off, why not? Why not put Pritchard out there? I don't hate that. I think Pritchard earned it. I agree. And I think he was really good in that game. And I think that was a prime, doesn't need to be hitting shots to be effective game for Pritchard because he, he hit a couple shots, I think. He was all right, but he was not his usual knockdown self. And he was still the most effective option in that spot. So credit to him. Uh, speaking of the Thunder game, Christoph Sprzingas also spoke about it after the fact. Um, <clears throat> said, Overall, I think our effort was there. Even that, when they made that run, we kept fighting. Then when we made our runs in the fourth and came back into the game, uh, that's a talented young team, and I believe I don't believe this was some fluke game for them. They've been playing really well. They're top of the West. Really good team to go up against and a really good experience for us. Um, it, it sounds like the respect for OKC around the league is building. I mean, you saw it. Anybody who watched that game saw just how good they are. This wasn't a Celtics were absolutely terrible game. This was a Celtics made a couple tough mistakes at, you know, in spots and the thunder 
just didn't. Thunder were awesome. They're eight and two in their last 10, 23 and nine on the season. One game back, the Timberwolves for top of the West, and they beat the Celtics, who are the best team in the NBA right now, uh, even after that loss. So, I, I mean, yeah, KP's right. That's a damn good team. It's a good team. They played the Celtics really well. They made the Celtics very uncomfortable. I said this plenty of times. It felt like every single shot the Celtics got early in this game before the fourth quarter was coming very, very hard. Like, it it, it wasn't easy. They they had to take a lot of tough looks, a lot of followaways with a hand in their face. Meanwhile, on the other end of the floor, the ball was popping around, not to say it wasn't for the Celtics because they did create some good looks. But OKC did a great job of sucking in defenders. Shea's speed really helped them get inside and then draw in the help. And guys were getting open looks from three, and they made the Celtics pay. They shot really well from three. They beat the Celtics with their own game, kind of. But then the Celtics did battle back. I, I think this Thunder team is real. I think uh, mm-hmm. they have a bright future. They still have a zillion draft picks, and they're due to be competitive for years and years and years. So good for them. Nobody stepped up uh, enough for me to be like, I hate that guy. Not yet. We're getting there. Not Shay. Shay didn't reach it, that point yesterday. Yeah, uh, Shay. Like you knew Shay was good. <laughs> it, it's the fake. It's the fake guys. That or if they do something insulting. Nobody did that. So they're safe for now. You're right. Uh, but speaking of the Thunder, Al Horford spoke about his time there. Uh, shout out to Thunder for getting him right and sending him back to Boston when uh, they needed him. This is from Clemente uh, Almanza, Thunderwire, USA Today site. Uh, talked about a few things. I highlighted the ones that I thought were most interesting. Speaking of SGA, uh, he was talking about him. He said, really big progress. I feel like when I was here, he was starting to come into his own. We all felt and knew that he had that capability, but it's been pretty amazing just to see how he continues to get better and how the team in general has continued to buy in uh, to the way that they're trying to play. They've gotten better quickly, although it's obvious now that they're one of the better teams in the league. Uh, and then was asked about how his time in OKC affected his return to the Celtics. And he said, it obviously made me a better player, a better person for being here. My biggest thing was I wish a... Uh, I wish as far as being able to play in front of the fans and kind of getting that connection going, we never really were able to because of the circumstances. But besides that, everything was very, very pleasant, very enjoyable there. Uh, shout out to Massachusetts natives, Sam Preston, Mark Dadnell for getting them right, shipping them back to Boston when he was ready to roll. <laughs> it was one of the great days of waking up and seeing the Woj notification. Mm-hmm. I was pumped and I'd, I'd been banging the drum for a while. I was like, they should bring him back. Luckily, they did. I mean, it really helped. Like, he was fresh for that season because they just gave him the out due to being old treatment. (laughs) And he was able to be sharp, come back to the Celtics, and be ready to contribute. So, good for him. Good on the Thunder. I don't know where they sat in my hater power rankings, but they were definitely towards, like, the I I have nothing wrong with them tier. Yeah. Also talks about Mark Dadnault, who is from Lemonster, Mass., uh, he said he's very enjoyable, a lot of learning for me, especially from the coach. I felt like we had such a young group, and for me, it was kind of like a fresh start to come here and really learn how he wanted us to play the game. Things uh, that I didn't really think about as a player, as a veteran, I feel like he really challenged me in that way. For me, it was a really good experience being here. Uh, I also think it's it's important to note just the, I don't think dichotomy is the right word, but the the night and day difference going from that Sixers team to being in OKC. Like, probably have some good things to say about OKC after you just experienced that in Philly, what he did for the a year. breath of fresh uh, air, maybe. Yeah, it doesn't sound like he had the best time in Philly. Uh, maybe the entire fan there. base isn't like, yeah, taking yeah. fights with your family, and also there's no expectations on the team. Yeah, they probably didn't love him for that, or he probably didn't love them for that, I should say. But OKC, okay, 
had some good moments. Uh, he was really good that one year in OKC. He averaged 14, six and a half and three and a half on 45, 37 splits in 28 games. Like you could see he was Stella Horford. It's the most points he's averaged, um, excuse me, since his last year in Atlanta. Put it that way. <laughs> so it was very good. Uh, and uh, thank you again to Sam Bresti for shipping him back at the right time. All right, let's go to the email. Let's check in to see what the people have to say. Uh, switch tabs here. All right, five emails to go over here. First one from RJ. What's popping? Wemby versus Chet. This is from two days ago after we dropped uh, our talking seas. He said, Happy New Year's uh, Day afternoon, fellas. Just got done watching the talking seas segment and thought I'd weigh in on the rookie of the year debate. I don't mind Chet being considered for rookie of the year as this is his first year playing, given Ben Simmons got it in a similar fashion. I do think that Chet had a head start on Victor, both because of growing up in and around American basketball culture and having a season to learn OKC's style, even if he wasn't playing. Wemby is still learning NBA culture, his teammates, and even his own body. Chet is two years older, but already the alien is outperforming home run in points, rebounds, assists, and blocks per game while playing roughly identical minutes. I think the big thing for each of them is how they maintain their stamina over the course of the full 82-game season. My guess is that Wemby fi uh, finished stronger because he won't be in the middle of a playoff race. I would not be surprised to at all of Holmgren suffers some sort of fatigue related injury in February or March. Both are outstanding players, but I would still put my money on Wemby getting rookie of the year. Be well, RJ. I disagree on the point that he had, you know, the advantage of the culture, or whatever. I think learning OKC style and being on an NBA salary, being around an NBA team definitely gives an advantage. That said, I like, let's not act like Wemby wasn't getting prepared to be a pro for the last like 20 years of his life. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he was ready and he was preparing for it um, for a long, long time. Uh, I don't know. It's tough for me to say who should be rookie of the year right now. I think Chet's favored by most major sports books, um, but it's, it's going to be a close race. I don't know. It's going to be a good one. Uh, huh? Also, Wemby had um, that French team built around him solely to get him ready for the NBA. Yeah, like that was I think I think it was Wendy that was talking about that with Redick, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they weren't like super competitive in their league. But they were put together solely to prepare him for the NBA. Mm -hmm. So he did have a little bit of a jump, not to say uh, Chet didn't because he absolutely did. But so Wendy's not exactly uh, had the, the wool over his eyes. Yeah. So who's your rookie of the year right now? Probably Chet. His team's winning. His numbers are just as good. So if if the Thunder had the same record as the Spurs, what who would be your rookie of the year? I would need to look at the numbers more closely. But I, I don't know. Chet's like really been impressive. <clears throat> I know. They are very close is my point. And I I have a tough time completely using winning in the rookie of the race for, for context. 19, 10, 3, and 3 blocks. Uh, for Wembenyama, 17, seven and a half, three and two and a half blocks for Chet. So they're very similar uh, percentages. It's 54, 40 for Chet and 44, 30 for Wemby. But I also don't think that's a fair comparison because Chet's like getting immensely easier shots than Wemby is because he's playing with an all NBA guard like Shea. He's got far less pressure on him. Like, You've got to like th this is why I said it's tough for me to consider winning uh, for the rookie of the year race because like as much as Chet is awesome and helping them in a big spot like 
1B has the pressure of the entire defense playing him, and Chet has the benefit of playing with a top five player in the league. So I, it's tough I know for me. What you're like saying. I, I understand like bringing percentages and stuff like that into account, but I also don't think it's nearly the same thing because 1B is far and away the best player on his team, and Chet is probably Two second, but it's a very close second with three and four and whatever else you want to say. I think it's fair. He was talking to Mr. Percentages, Mr. Efficiency. That's not exactly a fair comparison to make always, but uh, next email we got. is pretty crazy as a rookie. It's very good, but the quality of threes is also far different. Far different. Uh, Random Celtics talk. Email from Ian Ian Edsod. We're going to call you Ian. I think Ian Sods. It says at the bottom there. He's emailed this before. Oh, perfect. Uh, it's been a while, though. What's poppin'? Moved out to St. Louis this September, which makes uh, keeping up with my Boston sports difficult. Can't get the official streams of Celtics or Bruins at, uh, at all most nights. And Patriots are often out of service in the area. So these recaps yeah, and analysis from okay. HBTC. First to the floor and garden report help keep me grounded uh, as I adjust to the Midwest. So thank you for another great year of Celtics work. Appreciate you. On to my point of this email, who Tatum is. There's been so much talk of who JT is or who he resembles or plays like. Draft comp of Danny Granger. I can't say I watched much Pacers in basketball in the mid-2020s, but I'd say he's now closer to Paul George on those teams than Danny was. Everyone liked to call out his love and emulation of Kobe, especially that abysmal year with the turnaround fade, but he isn't Kobe. He doesn't play like him, doesn't attack like him, and it hasn't shown the maniac mentality. Now it's mellow, and that seems to stem from his ISO shooting and slow growth of a real post game. I don't hate the comp, but as y'all said earlier, he's way better at passing and defense and likely a better three-point shooter. True. When we drafted JT, I saw shades of the Celtics legend that grew up with Paul Pierce, a slowly methodical scorer who doesn't kill you with speed but still gets to where he wants and takes your soul uh, with tough shots, an underrated defender, and a willing passer when teammates can hit shots. All this to say, the Royal, <laughs> we as fans and media need to stop comparing him to other guys. He's himself and needs to... And needs to stop being other guys. He is J fucking D. Needs to. I think he has begun to define himself as a star in his own right. Not playing like Kobe, Mello, Granger, Pierce, all the people. He and JB had set the stage for more stars like Holiday, Porzingis, White, uh, and Old Man Al to come up and fill the rest of the bucket. Let JT and JB be themselves. Work with the team and bring this chip back to Boston. Thanks for reading my rant on comparing players. Uh, as a coach for Ultimate, I hate when things get compared to person. Uh, get compared to another person or another sport. It's lazy and cheap way for people to try to sound like they know what they're talking about without putting real analysis or understanding in. I digress. Hopefully next time I have a more positive email to send in. Until then, go how about them Celtics? Ian, shout out Ian. Uh, and yeah, I agree for the most part. I think it's tough to compare players, especially the best of the best players. Um, and Tatum definitely falls under that category. So <laughs> I love that. I love a little... Uh... Anger at the end of an email. Who doesn't? Mm. <laughs> I figured you would. Thanks for all right. Me. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, all right, next thing we got. Next email. What's popping from RJ? Celtics almost overcame the kryptonite. Even guys just finished watching the Thunder game, and I'll go the optimistic path for this email to start. We came back uh, hard in the fourth quarter thanks to Pritchard, Tatum, and KP. Looks like. We might have cracked some code for playing against the Thunder speed and length. While the Celtics were only up for a short period, they were a push on three margins, uh, minus three on three-pointers, minus four on turnovers, plus 11 on three throws, plus 10 on rebounds. I think the difference in this was, and obviously the third quarter, I'm glad the Seas are playing solid comeback ball now in the middle of the season, so they really lock in uh, on the notion that against a good team, you have to play hard and smart in every possession. Finally, props to Coach Missoula for sitting Drew and riding Pritchard the entire fourth quarter. Doesn't make that call last year. Everyone's growing. Be well. Yeah, I think we've gotten most of this. I agree. Good to see them come back in the fourth. Tough third quarter. Uh, next one from Gerald, and I believe he's very mad. 
Gerald yeah. Colston says this past game against the Thunder was a really poor showing for the C's terrible third quarter, poor defensive presence and lack of adjustments. Tatum had 30 points again, but that's expected of him. Honest, honestly, I believe he's really locked in defensively when they were down 19. Why can't you be consistent all game on that end? Holiday had a very poor showing in this one, not doing his best job of showing slowing SGA down. Uh, Everything close to the rim. In my opinion, this team needs a different mentality. Someone like a Pat Pepper, Marcus Morris, in very, very different situations. Not so they can score, bring a different energy level. Do you guys agree? Uh, no. Good. <laughs> uh, to start, no, not really. Sorry, Gerald. Um, one terrible third quarter. Yes. Poor defensive presence and lack of adjustments. Yes, and then no. I think they did adjust in the fourth quarter. As far as why can't you be consistent all, you know, all game for Tatum, like he didn't have the assignment and it's very hard to be great on both ends of the floor at all times and so i think tatum was great on offense it's also kind of nuts to expect him to score 30 especially with all these players around him i don't think 30 should be the bar i think efficient scoring should be the bar and you got that from him against the thunder uh holiday being bad yes not doing his best job of slowing sga down yes but also like I, it's that's a really tough bar because there have been very few players who have effectively slowed SGA down for an entire game, uh, let alone, you know, stints or I reverse that for stints, let alone an entire game. Uh, and the different mentality thing, I personally think this kind of stuff is overrated. I'll let Sam talk about it, but I don't think adding a Pat Bev or a Marcus Morris help. I think they just need to play consistent basketball and they made a few mistakes against the Thunder and the Thunder played perfect. And I've said it a million times, but yeah. So, I don't really know if Pat Bev or Marcus Morris helps yesterday. Like, this was not a game I thought they got beat because they didn't care. Uh, the last email talked about the different margins. The plus 11 on the glass tells you a lot, I think. I think they did a good job hustling, caring, crashing the glass, getting extra possessions from it. As for Tatum, love the Tatum game. I said it I said it again. said it earlier. said it on Talking Seas. said it yesterday. Good Tatum game. He made good decisions, and and Jack said it. Like the measuring stick for a good Tatum game shouldn't always be the points. I think the points matter. I think his what he contributes matters. But I think the decision making is the most important thing. He had a great all around game. He hustled thirteen rebounds. I think five of them might have been offensive. He had eight assists. Did a good job finding his teammates. He did a good job exploiting the fact that he was a focal point of the defense, and his shot selection was good. He didn't fire up a bunch of threes. I have no problem with like crapping on Tatum if he does that, but he didn't do that. As for Holiday, off game, but it was a fir- the first Holiday game that I thought he wasn't very good in a while. I just, I, I don't know. This is just like one of those games. Like they just got beat. Like it, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like they did anything that was like out of their control. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they tried to take care of business the best they could. I, I mean, you could be like tighten up the defense, which I agree. Like when you go like probably four or five minutes where it doesn't feel like you get any stops. Like it sucks to watch. I think a big part of that too was they were missing layups, which let the thunder get out in transition. And it's very hard to get stops in transition. That's not not an excuse. Yeah, that's not an excuse. But I I think a lot of their poor offense was bleeding into the poor defense. And my my biggest thing on Tatum is, and I, I think I said this briefly on a recent show, it's not fair to determine his effectiveness by the points anymore because team sends so many bodies at him driving to lane like you saw in the thunder game that it's now about how he works off of that like he he is not just a scorer now exactly he's an offensive hub and that's what he needs to be for the celtics and you've seen that a lot more in the past game past few games excuse me and so i think he was good for that and the defense thing it's tough for guys to guard consistently against a player like shea for so long but thank you for the email last email we got 
Uh, oh, I think this is a double send. Uh, no, no, this is just from Gerald. I know Gerald did double send us uh, an email, but this isn't it. What's popping wins and losses? <clears throat> What's up, boys? Very frustrating game from the season. I know you can't win every game, but this past game was disappointing. Really made me take a step back and review the losses this team's face. Warriors, Timberwolves, and now the Thunder are all teams that stuck out. Uh, in this game, it all comes down to poor execution. These are the teams who are most likely going to be playoff teams. It's really expecting a statement win against at least one of them. However, they all fell short in the last five minutes in those games. Is that a concern to you guys? Not really. You lose I the disagree. tough games all the time. They've beat the Sixers multiple times this season. They beat the yeah, Kings, Milwaukee. Lakers, Milwaukee, Kings, Lakers, uh, Clippers, and wow. a three-stretch game in the West Coast. I think they've had a lot of really good wins. Yes, they've had some losses against good teams, but that's they're good teams for a reason, right? Like the Timberwolves and Thunder and even the Warriors who uh, have struggled at points this season have Steph Curry. Like They're good for a reason. The Celtics can't beat every good team. So I, I don't know. I disagree with the disappointment part. I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from. I can see that you're like, wow, like they're facing these, even though the Warriors aren't one of them, uh, top competitive teams in the Western Conference and they're losing. The Minnesota loss sucked. This loss yesterday sucked. Doesn't I, I don't think it was in punch air loss, but I still think it sucked. Uh, yesterday's loss, I don't think, was because they played a bad last five minutes. It's because I think they played a bad first 37 minutes or 43 minutes. Bad math. I just think they didn't play a complete game. Jack and I have different views on how this game felt. I felt like they were kind of hanging on by a thread the whole time, and it finally like collapsed in the third quarter. But they managed to claw their way back, and they were probably, I don't know, two shots away from winning. I can't think one off foot. the top of my one a toe foot. away from winning. Well, <laughs> or having no, a chance they to still win. Had to, I know, yeah. I know. Having a chance to win. Um, like they 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 set themselves up to win and if you look at the last five minutes numbers yesterday they were probably plus whatever like they had a positive net rating the last five minutes. i think they were a those couple... other two games though bad bad closures he's correct sure yeah i think there were a couple of uh big um what's the word thunder shots away as well because like every time they'd play great defense for 22 seconds Shea would just drive and find Chet at the last second, and Chet, Chet hit a couple of big ones. I don't know. I'm just the Thunder game was not one that concerned overly concerned me. I think it was two great teams playing a great game, uh, and the Celtics slipped up a couple more times than the Thunder did, and that's usually what it comes down to in the NBA. So it is what it is. Anyways, this isn't like a angry game. It just doesn't no. feel that way. And I'm I'm your guy. Like I'll tell you when to be angry. There are wins that I'm mad at. Last night it was frustrating. I was annoyed that like. My hopes got brought up, but it's it just like an off day. Like you can't really do anything about it. It happens when, when the margins are close like that. You feel like you can, but they played pretty well. Mm -hmm. It's a tough one. Uh, let's move to the NBA part of the show, and we'll start with the Hornets. Even though it's not as fun anymore, did the Hornets win a game? Because they yes, they they did win a game. Uh, the Hornets beat the Kings last night as we're recording this. So we need Bums. to pick a new. Uh, what'd you say? Bums. Fuck the yeah, Kings. right. Terry Rozier killed them in the final couple minutes. I caught the end of it. Glad they got um, the loss. So we need to pick a new have this has we this team won a game yet. Unfortunately, there aren't many teams. The longest losing streak in the NBA right now, Sam. Would you like to guess? I'll give you two guesses. Four games. <clears throat> Four games. And it's the Nets. The Nets are currently riding the longest losing streak in the league. The Spurs recently won a game. The Nets have lost four straight. Um just, <laughs> they're two and eight in their last ten. That's not very good. Terrible. <laughs> Why is that? I mean, <laughs> there's no fun. 
there's no fun losing streak. Lo- going the on. losing streaks meant something, man. Like that was a reason to get up for games. That Pistons losing streak was special. It was great. <laughs> like every time they would play, you'd just be like, "Oh shit, it, who's going to be the team?" Well, um, the good news is the Pistons are starting up again. They did lose their last game, so they're getting back into the. Losing well, now, now I want win. the Pistons to win. It's time for them to be like, listen, <laughs> like time to win thirty in a row. Get back to five hundred. Well. You mentioned thirty. The they would be five hundred if they won thirty in a row. Yes, they would be above five hundred. They're three and thirty right now. They won the race to thirty. They are the first Let's NBA go, team boys. to have thirty to in either column. It's just losses is the nuts. Our Pistons, they got some work to do. Clearly, they clearly do. Uh, but looking around the league, top of the. Eastern Conference, Celtics and Bucks are riding one game losing streaks. Uh, obviously, we know the Celtics lost. Pacers have won four in a row. I think that's the second longest Bucks again as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. And they're keeping it close. Bucks up two at halftime. Um, what else? We got Thunder on a five game winning streak. We talked about it with Bobby Kuritsky. This Celtics one was no fluke. They beat the Celtics before that, the Nets, the Nuggets, the Knicks, and the Timberwolves. They have been red hot against very good basketball teams lately. Um, the Thunder have been playing very well. Pelicans have won three in a row. Suns have won four in a row. Suns are five and five in their last 10, but four in a row. So they're starting to figure things out a little bit. Uh, Pelicans seven and three in their last 10. They're picking up the pace. Uh, Clippers, Thunder, Nuggets, all eight and two. They're playing well. Celtics, Bucks, eight and two. Uh, And the Heat, who were on a little bit of a winning streak there, I believe, uh, have now lost two in a row. So they have fallen back down to earth a little bit. Uh, And both conferences are just all wacky. The Eastern Conference, the four seed to the eight seed is a one game difference. So, a lot of stuff's going to be coming down to the wire in the NBA this year. So much for the hot start magic. They're one yeah. game out of the eight seed. Yes, they are. Feels bad. Yes. Not that was a team I enjoyed. I enjoyed that they were good. Maybe trade. Maybe they go get DeJounte Murray. They Hard are points. three and seven in the last ten. <laughs> now that they're done with the Celtics. Even though the Celtics it, beat them twice. It Yeah, they started it. It does feel like they could make a big trade. The Jazz, by the way, are one of the hotter teams in basketball, too. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10, pushing their way back up towards the play-in race, uh, sort of getting their guys ready for the trade block. At the Garden <laughs> Friday. <clears throat> yes, they are. Uh, all right. Do you see, by the way, uh, mm. the Jordan Clarkson triple-double? Yeah, Will Hardy said, go get your, go get a fucking rebound so I can sit your ass down. <laughs> but do you know, like, the, the story behind it? No. So before Jordan Clarkson got a triple-double the other day, the Utah Jazz has not had a player record a triple-double since Carlos Boozer in 2008. So there had been a 15-year gap between triple-doubles, and the entire arena knew it. And That's so when Jordan Clarkson secured his 10th rebound, you would have thought they hit a game winner. That's awesome. The place went ballistic. I love I'm, that. That's I'm going to see if I can find it real quick, because mm-hmm. you would like actually not believe that is very how cool. the crowd reacted. I do love that. I mean, George Clarkson, <laughs> Jordan Clarkson grabbing his 10th rebound uh, is the, the Jazz of Super Bowl. <laughs> I found the video already. I got it. You I did. got it. Good, yeah. Good, good, good. Let's see. Pull it, pull it up. Pull it up. Uh, audio listeners will get the audio, but video listeners will get to watch. Here we go. Some slides inside your Play, like the whole crowd just jumped out of their seats. It's crazy. 2024. Mickey Mouse triple double up almost 40 stat padding. They should be ashamed. That's so hype. I love that. Good for good for Clarkson. Good for Will Hardy. You think you think Hayward would have done it? 
yeah, like I don't his skill set plays to that where he had good enough vision to set his teammates up and obviously he got before, close and he had a big body. Hmm. I think I he know. did with the Celtics. I'm surprised Donovan Mitchell didn't do it. I know the rebounds are questionable, but like still he's good enough. Anyways, uh next piece of NBA news we got is the Nets, who we did talk about, who are not trading Mikhail Bridges. Uh according to uh Woj, uh he was asked by a fan on threads. Uh, if the Nets would consider trading Bridges. And he responded, imagine if Woj responded to your tweet. Uh, he said, I believe Brooklyn's intent remains to build and add talent around Mikhail Bridges, which makes sense. I mean, it is a bit odd, and, and you wonder if they can put a better team around him in time because he is already 27 years old. Um, but, I mean, he's having a great season. He's averaging 21, 5, 3.5 on 46, 36 splits for them this year. Uh, they are as much as despite the fact that they have lost some games in a row, they are in the race for the play in tournament. They should probably be a play in team by the year's end. Um, they but should be trying to, yeah, I don't know. Um, if you're the Nets, do you accept offers from Mikael Bridges? No, were you stupid? Not you, but them. Also, I think Woj responded to this guy because he was like, No way, like, people are actually this dumb. Like, this mm. is an easy one. Like, I'm not burning any bridges by revealing that well, the Nets are not interested in trading Mikel Bridges. I understand why they wouldn't be, but it almost feels like they shouldn't be completely closed off to it. Like he, I don't think he if should you're be the Nets. Team. What would you trade him for? Like, what would the offer have to be? It would have to be a really good offer. It'd have to be like lots of picks, quality young player, but he's 27. They're not going to be a title team by the time he's 30. And if you're the Nets, realistically speaking, and this, I don't think they should trade him for nothing, obviously, but I don't think he should be, off the table he has this year at 21.7 mil then 23.3 then 24.9 do you want to be the team to pay him a max contract when he's 31 years old if you're not gonna be able to put a title team around him like as much as i don't think they should trade him i don't think they should be completely closed off to the idea is all i'm saying the contract is a good contract exactly but then are you like he has more value now than he will on a max contract is all i'm saying i agree if he gets a max, he becomes not Zach Levine, but close to it. Like where you're like, oh, do do we really want to make that move? It, you like, have to think a lot harder. So you have a two year window and every year past the value goes down because the team will have less years with him on that contract. That's all I'm saying. I don't know what their cap situation is going forward, but I think even though it's Brooklyn, they do have like a chance to lure people there. I'm not saying it's going to be a massive like destination, but it's not impossible. I think you have to at least try. I think if they trade him now, like the guy would have been there less than a year. I'm j- I'm just saying, I wouldn't close off all offers completely. I don't know. It's weird. They they are a deceivingly old team. I'll put it that way. A lot, like they they seem like they're young, but they're not. Uh, the Knicks are not done trading, according to Ian Begley of SNY. Uh, the Knicks gave up a bunch of assets for Adenobi, but quote. Feel like they have enough left to land a top player. Uh, Shams also noted on FanDuel TV that the Knicks are, quote, always going to have an interesting inquiring cat if they made him available. It does feel like the Knicks are primed for uh, to add another star to this group. Um, to Brunson, to Ananobi, to maybe Randall's the one traded. But, like, it does feel like they have the picks, they have the salary to make a big trade happen should one come available. The only question is who and what and, like, if- when. If the Knicks actually want to be competitive, they have to trade Randall. Like they have to I don't find disagree. some way to get something back. I'm not even like trying to like joke. I just think he's one of those guys that thinks he's better than he is. This is like real analysis. I'm not being facetious. 
he thinks he's better than he is. And because of that, he slows the team down because somebody like Jalen Brunson is going to have the ball in his hands less because mm-hmm. Julius Randle is going to have to be like, let me cook. And if he doesn't, then he gets bent out of shape. He's somebody in the past that has had issues with his attitude. I know he's been like doing meditation and all that stuff to get his mind right in recent seasons, but he just hasn't been a winning player. And as funny as it is to make fun of him, he does look very uncoordinated. He does look like he's lost sometimes. He tur- he's sloppy. I just think you're so much better off if you're the Knicks if he's not a part of your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I disagree. <clears throat> it's just going to be tough to get off that contract. And they are prime. Like, no no GM should be dumb enough to trade for him either. This, way, this is the best chance I think the Knicks have ever had to trade for Orlando Star because the team they have is genuinely good if they get the right piece next to Brunson and Anobi. That's like a quality team. Brunson's the real top of your head. Which teams would even want Randall? I don't think it's a matter of wanting Randall. I think it's a matter of using him as salary and adding extra picks to take the salary. Like I, I he's just salary at this point in a trade. I don't think there is a team out there who would okay. want him. He is sure. <clears throat> I don't know. And, and it he's would have to be maybe the fucking Pistons. Sam, what would you do if the Pistons traded for him? Disaster. <laughs> what do you get back if you're the Knicks, Bogdanovich? I'm not. I, I was just half joking because you talk about desperate <laughs> there's desperate the pistons do have like a desperation about them where they want to be competitive like they t- all the messaging from their organization is like we're sick of being bad we think we have some good guys on this team they obviously paid monty williams because they probably thought they were going to take a jump the owner came out and said he thought they were going to be able to at least push for the play-in and yet they're three and thirty nobody besides Cade looks like they're worth a damn actually thompson's not bad and neither uh, is Duran. I know what you mean, though. But, like, the remainder of that team, like, even Ivy, like, kind of sucks. But, like, he doesn't look that impressive. He's young. He's, like, what, 20, 21? He looked like, all right against the Celtics, but I know what yeah, you mean. Yeah, no, no, no. He played great against the Celtics. Like, he was impactful. He was hustling. It's funny that now that they won a game, like, they don't seem as engaged anymore. <laughs> like every game was game seven for them and as funny as it was i like how this randall segment turned into pistons talk but like every game was like backs against the wall desperation if they just played with that kind of chip on their shoulder all the time they'd probably have i don't know at least five wins five more wins i should say we'll see we'll see what i'm happens. rooting for i'm genuinely rooting for the pistons like i i support them like I want to see them do well. It's not even like because they lost a bunch of games. Like, I think I like the organization, even if it's shit. But, uh, you know, it's not going so well. No, it is not. But speaking of a guy the Pistons have showed an interest in, uh, Pascal Siakam reportedly will not sign an extension if he is traded. Making that known. Mark Stein of the Stein Line, longtime NBA insider, said, quote, uh, Siakam, quote, would prefer again to proceed to unrestricted free agency, meaning that any team that trades for him must now be daring enough to roll those dice. Uh, also added, the list of Siakam suitors is growing. Mavericks, Grizzlies, Hawks, Pacers, Kings, Pistons, all mentioned by Mark Stein as potential teams that could look to trade for Siakam. I think of those, the Mavericks almost make the most sense because they should be willing to take the biggest risks and roll the dice to put talent sure. next to Luka. Uh, I don't know if the Grizzlies and or Pacers uh, should want to do that. You could also see, I, I can understand the Hawks and the Kings. I, I kind of lump them in with the Mavericks where you want to put talent around your guy quicker um, because the timeline might not be as long with what you got. And then the Pistons, please just don't. 
<laughs> but yeah, weird. Siakam not signing extension. He wants unrestricted free agency, uh, though he is killing the Raptors' ability to, to get a deal. <clears throat> Probably Toronto. <laughs> Good for him. Respect, know, like genuinely respect. Like he won a championship there. You can't be like he's a bum. Like he never won anything. Hasn't been a part of a winning team. Like. He was a very good player on the post Kawhi bubble team, even though he didn't play that great against the Celtics. Like that team took him to seven games and he's been somebody that's been a staple of that franchise. If you're Toronto, do you want him back though? Cause I don't think I do with all due respect. Uh, I don't want to lose him for nothing. So what's the bar you go to before you're willing to lose him for nothing? Because these teams now know that he's probably not going to sign an extension. So the value is going to go down. How old is so what's... 30? uh 29 he's up there for sure i don't think he's quite 30 he's so if i'm the raptors my mind Almost has 30. to go to what number can i pay him where people won't be turned off to trade for him i 35 I don't think it's, I don't think it's about paying him i i'm saying how low are you willing to accept back in a trade before the end of the season versus just letting him walk because I, I think how low am I willing to accept, or how low is uh, the man Masai Ujiri willing to accept? That man doesn't I, fucking I, play. I saw something somewhere that the Mavs could offer like a Josh Green and picks package with obviously the matching salary. I think the Kings have some interesting, you know, Davion Mitchell plus salary. I think the Hawks could offer you DeAndre Hunter, which they did this summer. Like I think there are some okay players you could get back that would pair nicely with Scotty quickly and RJ now, which is not a terrible young core that's quickly forming up there in Toronto, but like you've got, I, I you can't lose him for nothing. That, that would be the worst because especially considering it just happened as much as you dislike Fred Van Fleet, they lost him for nothing. You can't lose players for nothing nowadays. That's just so bad. It's bad business. Uh, and losing a player like Van Fleet, who regardless of Sam's opinion on him, uh, is a quality player for nothing this offseason, and then losing Siakam for nothing next offseason, that would be a terrible one-two punch year for Ujiri and the Raptors. So you, you got to trade him for something, in my opinion. I'm curious to see how Toronto plays. Like right now they're down seven in Memphis, and that's what I was checking. Early, mm. early, early, early down seven. Yeah. But I think if you're Ujiri, you have a month here, right, to like look – how to quickly an RJ look next to Siakam and Scotty? Do you think this team can be at least a play-in team? I don't even want to say play-in. I would like to say, if I'm him, knowing the way he thinks, are they going to get up to six? I don't think they can, but it's also not impossible with how you mentioned it earlier. One game separates four and eight. It can't be that crazy. I know the Raptors have been on quite the skid lately, but there is talent on that team. Like RJ Barrett and quickly are quality. I don't think RJ Barrett's the greatest. I don't think he plays well away from home on, in the playoffs. Like I think there are flaws to him, but I also think as a duo, those guys are going to give you a little bit more of a scoring punch. While Ananobi is more of a player you need for a competitive team. And the Raptors are not mm -hmm. that. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I, I think you got to trade. Uh, <clears throat> see, I can be the end of the season. The Raptors are an interesting situation, and of course, the Pistons have to be. But yes, <laughs> see what happens. All right, last NBA thing we got is the Lakers' interest in Zach Levine Do has it. been brought up again. This has been, uh, or excuse me, this is from Jeff uh, Zilgit of USA Today. He said, 
uh, that a team's looking for offense that includes the LA Lakers are interested in Levine and his availability. Darnell Mayberry of the Athletics said a few weeks ago, or less than that, maybe, that effectively the Lakers and Bucks were expected to come to an agreement on trade eventually. It feels like this, as much as I know you dislike Zach Levine, it does feel like the Lakers are probably one of the better places for him. They're already a very good defensive China. team. They have good defensive pieces. They've got uh, Anthony Davis, who seems like he would probably pair well with Zach Levine. Uh, Zach Levine's okay playing off the ball. I don't know. It feels like the Lakers are unironically probably one of the better fits for Levine around the league. I'm just curious. I mean, I know they can combine sal- salaries and all that stuff to get there. Like they do have tradable contracts, but I am curious, like how much they're actually willing to give up for that guy. As much as like he he might be like a little bit overhyped. I think Austin Reeves does have like legitimate good qualities about him. I don't think it would be Reeves. I've well, from what I've seen, I think Reeves on the table. It would probably be D'Lo, Hachimura, and picks. If I had to guess. They have one pick. They can trade one pick. I think they can go out to that like we, other one too. Oh, maybe. Okay. Because I know we've talked about this part of it before. I know they don't have any picks. <clears throat> and when I say picks, I don't just mean first. They can trade seconds too. So like a first and seconds or something. And from a Chicago perspective, you are happy to get off the contract. So I do see that. But I've seen... And swaps. The, you can do swaps too. I've seen the posts and rumors about like they probably will want Reeves. I think... Chicago will ask for Reeves, but I, I feel like they'd be foolish to say, if you're not giving us Reeves, we're not taking a trade from you, especially with how potentially barren the market for Levine is, according to other reports. Sure. We'll see. I, I, I don't think the Bulls have this like mentality where they think they're all of a sudden going to be competitive. Yeah. But I also don't think they get, like, they don't really take any strides by adding D'Angelo Russell or... <laughs> I don't think it's about strides. I think it's about let's get off this giant contract. No, I see that (laughs) aspect of it. But if I'm them, there is like a little bit in you that's like, well, our guys have been playing pretty well without him. Like, how can we maximize this? And I think that question gets asked before anything gets done. All I know is before Zach Levine went down, they were reportedly, quote, focused on finding a trade for him. So it it feels like they want him off. They probably still are. So we'll see what happens, but I think that'll do it. We can move on to the rat list here. Uh, Sam, would you like to kick us off? Hit me. What yeah. You got? Uh, rat list. So funny story, rat list. These guys that we play basketball with, like they, they are the, we call them the chuckers. Sure. You do give I them know the ball. People? No, you give them the ball and it is getting fired up. But anyways, one of the chuckers apparently stole this other guy's basketball and the guy was heated today. It was fire. Yeah, like he, what? Took it, he took, he took, he took the ball home. He had bought a new basketball, but he was so pissed. And I was like, Oh shit. They took your basketball, huh? He was like, yeah. So I thought there might be a fight, but there was not, but yeah, ratless to those guys, even though one of them is kind of like having his uh, brain opened up to moving the ball around. But the, the, this one guy, is, you might as well just not play. Tough. Tough. Uh, Ratless Henry. So today, Henry texts me, uh, Jack, you're going to be the dentist, dentist tomorrow. Uh, and I go, what time? I've got stuff to do because I have Celtics practice to go to tomorrow. 
And he goes, 11.15. I assume that's, you know, in the way. I'm like, yeah, considering practice is at 11. Yeah, that's a little bit in the way, Henry. Uh, and he goes, okay, I'll ask around and see if anybody else can. I said, okay, let me know. Nothing. I hear nothing from Henry the rest of the day. He gets home. It's like 6 p.m. I go, Henry, you figure something out for the next? He goes, oh, yeah, I got this person to ring me. I forgot to tell you. I'm like, are you fucked? Brother. Oh, that would irritate me. My guy. He, Henry is the worst at communication. Henry doesn't tell me shit. Henry doesn't tell anybody shit. Henry, Henry will have full on conversation with you. You could have a conversation with Henry about what time you're going into surgery and if he can pick you up and he wouldn't tell you yes or no until you're out of surgery. And he'd be like, oh, I'm here. And I would have like called an Uber at that point. That Henry, I, he'd be like, oh, I don't know. I forgot to. Sorry. That was like, Henry, <laughs> just I love you, Henry. But my God, brother, <laughs> it is it is it, I'm used to it at this point, but it is it is frustrating. <laughs> rat list you know i don't really know what caused it so i can't give you a particular rat list but there was brutal traffic on the way to work today and i think it has and i avoided it because i know how to drive but i think it has something to do with that fucking bridge construction they're doing so anytime mm. i get to throw the department of transportation under the bus you know i'm gonna do it uh Course. I did see some people driving in marked Department of Transportation vehicles today. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, those people are brave because uh, mm-hmm. putting a big time target on your back. Sure. Like, yeah. Power rankings of cars that would key. Department <laughs> of Transportation. Uh, somebody's somebody with like a LeBron bumper sticker. <coughs> okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a ton. <laughs> I, I have other things I could throw in there, but it's not podcast mm. material. Mm. Um, I don't know. This isn't really anti-ratlist or ratlist. It's just kind of like a weird thing. So I was on New Year's. I went out to Boston with my friend Danny, uh, legend of the pod, and we were at a tea stop and we were waiting. And it was like a little cold out, but I was like, I have a jacket and my sweatshirt. I'm a big fan of the the winter weather. I like the cold. I like to wear my stuff. It's fine. And we walk into this place to like reload up our tea, our Charlie cards. And they ha- just have a heater in there, which is like very nice. But like I was in there for two, like 30 seconds and I was sweating. It was, it was the strongest heater I have ever felt in my life. And I understand it's a good thing. So people can stay warm. I'm not, gonna, I don't want to rat list the heater, but it, it was, it was crazy that I went from kind of cold, but fine to full on sweating in under 30 seconds. So again, I don't want to ratless the heater or even anti ratless the heater, but I was just in awe at how effective the heater was in that one spot. I was standing in. It was, it was nuts. Ratless the cold. Nah, I like the cold. I'm a big fan. I don't mind the, the cool, but it's officially cold. We've reached January. Uh, (laughs) I'll tell you what, and you're going to be like, you don't care. And I, I'm fine with that. I respect it. But there is nothing worse than opening my eyes when I'm already, like, not trying to be awake. And then knowing that, like, my next thing is going to be uh, go run around for an hour in the cold. <laughs> like, it, it is not. I always do it, and I get through it. But it is not a fun, like, process of, like, okay, like. Put your hat on, buddy. Put your gloves on and get out there. Get to stepping. I was hmm. freezing yesterday in particular. Has it, it snowed down there yet? 
I think it snowed when we went away. Mm, okay. Snow is always on the rat list. I love the snow. Snow, snow is fan. bad for a multitude of reasons. One, no, you have to I love the snow. Two, love you have to clean your car. Three, you have these fucking morons from New England who act like they've never driven in the snow before. Uh, Not bad, but I love the snow. Now, as an adult, you don't get like the day off. Well, sometimes you might. Well, it doesn't matter for you. But you don't, it's not like you get a snow day. Like, there's no benefit to the snow anymore. There was nothing worse than being in uh, school and mm. it would snow, but it would snow on like a Saturday. So you don't even get like the benefit of like getting the day off. I will these say, kids, these kids today, they have, they don't even get snow days. They get, uh, open up the laptop, buddy. You're learning from home. That's it's terrible. I will say, I know you don't care for the Patriots, but there was a three, four year stretch in there where the Patriots were just always in the Super Bowl. And there was like, for whatever luck, there was snow day like three years in a row the day after oh, the Super after Bowl. After the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was electric. It was very yeah. sick. No, <laughs> it was that, very that's fun. Good. That's um, good. But I love the snow. I'm a big fan of the cold. I can't wait for it to snow with them here. I just, I don't know. I enjoy it. I don't know why. Like, and all, all in, in your defense, all of those inconveniences you mentioned are completely valid, and I agree with. I don't know why. I just love the cold. I like the snow. I like the weather. I like. The I like the cold because it signifies that there will be basketball to be watched. Sure. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have any more ratless. Ratless. Name ratless today. Another cold thing. Mm. So yesterday. So my car is like not in service right now. So I'm using uh like we have a truck that we okay. my dad will use like if he's like doing work or whatever. So mm-hmm. I've been using that, which I'm very fortunate to have. Make no mistake. But because of the cold and it was like the first cold day in a while. I go down there at five in the morning to go to the gym and start my exercise process. And uh all the windows were frosted and I could not for the, it took me like 20 minutes to get the frost off. I was like having like a little flip out in my head. Cause when, when you get up, when, when I get up in the morning and I do my exercise before work, it is very like assembly line, uh, uh, domino effect type thing where you got to be here at this time and make sure you have enough time to do this, this, and this to make sure I get to work on time. And when, uh, <laughs> There's the extra added 20 minutes of sitting there waiting for the windows to defrost. <laughs> kind of a morning ruiner. Even though I did get there on time. Because there was absolutely no traffic yesterday. But then good. everyone decided they were back today. <laughs> Tough. Um, yeah, I don't really have any more Alice. We can, we can wrap there if you're... You can you're wrap. Done. I'm sorry. I don't have any story stories today. Yeah, nothing good. It's hard at work. Because like, <laughs> even if something gets me mad, like I don't like to talk about work on the show. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. So I can't, it's better in like the holidays. I'm like, Oh, like family. Yeah. Work. Very tough. No. I'll ratless to my sister just quickly. Cause, uh, she got my mom sick again. <laughs> my mom has just been taking a beating. My sister was dude, sick. Your mom is just like, uh, it sucks, dude. The Avengers when Hulk just slams Loki. Like dude, my, my sister That's was like illnesses very, are doing to your mother. My sister was very sick yesterday. And, my mom like even wore a mask when she was talking to her because she was like, I don't want to get sick again. And my mom comes home from work today. She goes, I got sick. I'm like, God damn it. I feel bad, man. She she doesn't get sick often. And it's it's just hit her like a truck over and over again. So also but, quick yeah. little uh, rat list, rat list, hole in ones. Uh, <laughs> Jersey Jerry has not gotten a hole in one yet. If you don't know, 
Jersey Jerry, who works for Barstool, does the show. It's called Jerry After Dark. And on Jerry After Dark, he does a stream. And he can't end the stream till he completes whatever task, challenge it is that day. Last night, Monday, his or Tuesday, rather, his challenge was to get a hole-in-one. It is 8.45 p.m. on Wednesday, and he is still trying to get a hole-in-one. Did you see the clip I texted to you? Uh, I did not get the chance to watch it. No, I was right. So Jersey Jerry... <laughs> Uh, the ball sh- stopped an inch in front of the hole. I should. <laughs> Let me pull it up. Wait, uh, it you sent it on Twitter? Where it, did you send it's it? It's on text. Ah, shit. What? What is it on Twitter? I, I'll forward it to you on Twitter. 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 I'll forward. It, <clears> okay. I'll do it quick. This is. Uh, we were watching this. Me, Sam, and Bobby Gritzy, like <clears throat> very briefly before we were uh, before and a- after, after we recorded we talking skis today. Um, and it's just been. It's been so funny. This it's man, so Jersey Jerry, is, he is, I don't know, I don't have the stream open right now, but he's at least 2,400 swings into trying to get a hole-in-one. And if you don't it's know Jersey great. Jerry, he's the guy that shit himself and then posted the video and was like, <laughs> I shit myself. <laughs> All right, I just also, sent Also, uh, the Thunder are down 20 at halftime right now, in case you're curious. Who are they playing? The Hawks. Nice. <laughs> let's see. Let's Let's watch Jersey Jerry. Get absolutely. Let me take bone. the rat off the screen while you. Pull yeah, that take up. Matt off. Let me pull this up. All right, we ready? Yep. Pull Same it look. up. So he's food? playing on a golf simulator. Get in. And oh, 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 Look at Jerry. <laughs> Mind you, he he's been trying to do this for twenty hours straight. Like, my God, it, he he is very dedicated. Dude, it was it had so much momentum too, and then it all just stopped. Like it wasn't like it was gradual, like almost getting there. It was like super fast, and then yeah, physics nothing. says that doesn't happen. Hold up, <laughs> watch it again. Oh my god. I wonder if it hit like the, the virtual flag and stayed out. <clears throat> no, that's not how it works because the that's hole goes all the works. way around the flag. <laughs> that's tough. Very tough look for Jerry. Uh, that's the wrong thing. Anyways, thank y'all for tuning in. We'll move it to Celtics anyways. We appreciate y'all. Um, make sure to subscribe to the channel. Uh, to how about them Celtics leave us a review on Apple all that good stuff um we have passed 2020 subscribers now which is mm. like we're soaring Very you good. guys have been great you guys have been awesome not only uh, have you been our... great, but it's, it's continued past 2000 like the growth has continued so thank you very Steady. much I'm glad people enjoy listening to us uh we mm-hmm. definitely try it's been it's been steady leave us a review on apple i'm once again asking please god leave a review on apple Podcasts if you listen on apple and if you listen on spotify follow the podcast on spotify and leave us five stars we'd appreciate it very much uh make sure to so all i want is somebody to leave another review so the first one i see every time is in ganky that's all i want just someone else like leave a five-star review Can on someone apple. else please review but also say just no. say the same thing just say he looks like ganky again so there's just two of them <laughs> please don't thank y'all for tuning in we appreciate it subscribe to about them celtics and i'll let sam wrap it up hey thank you very much for listening or watching if you're watching make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel Hit the notification bell so you don't miss any of our daily uploads. We are 
pumping out content every day. We have full-length pods like these, game recaps like the one we posted for the Thunder, Talking Seas, which came out yesterday as you're listening to this with Bobby Kravitsky. We also do little film breakdowns or rumor breakdowns, whatever's happening, we'll talk about it. You won't miss any of it if you hit the bell. Leave a like on the video and comment. Tell us what you thought of the game. Tell us what you thought of Jersey Jerry. Uh, anything that you might have seen, let us know what you think. Like Jack said, if you're on Spotify or Apple, you can follow us there. The audio versions of the pods and game recaps will go right to your inbox. Leave a five-star review and say something nice about the show. If you want to get in touch with us, hbtcpod at gmail.com is a great way to do it. We read your emails on every podcast, give you feedback on what you have to say. We always like to hear from you guys, and we do appreciate the uptick in people we've had do it. Uh, Gerald has been consistent now, along with RJ, who's been the OG of the email. And then we have Ian, who also reached out. But we had a few extra people do it last time, so it's been really cool to see people that actually care about talking to us. So thank you. If you want to get in touch with us on socials, it's at How About Them Seas. There's Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Facebook page is just the name of the podcast. We do 30-minute pregame streams before every single game. Those are on Facebook. They're on YouTube. And they're also on Twitter. Uh, Jack's Twitter is at Jack's Money NBA. You can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA. That's it for us. Bye. Check, check, go.